Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James and welcome to the show brought to you by The Athletic UK. And on today's podcast, we're going to be saying hola to Marco Silva, who was appointed as Fulham manager on a three-year deal on Thursday evening. So our instant reaction to the new chapter at Craven Cottage under Marco Silva and Louis Boamorte. Welcome home, Boa. It's very, very exciting. Uh, And here to discuss all the ramifications and what we can expect from Marco Silva's tenure at Fulham is Fulham's writer for The Athletic, Peter Rutzler. Hey, Sammy. How are you doing? Good, thank you. And from the other side of the journalism world, Izzy Barker. How are you doing, Izzy? Hola, Sammy. How are you? Hola, indeed. Um, Before we start, can we just point out that Sammy's been trying to, you know, enforces his influence and sway by kicking both Izzy and myself out of this podcast while trying to put it together so far. I'm very much the Switzerland in this athletic versus the sun uh, journalism war today. And as we saw last week, Switzerland are quite good. So... Come on the Swiss. Okay, just before we start, just to say that if you want to read the latest on Marco Silva's appointment at Fulham, uh, do make sure you're subscribed to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. Peter has done a long read all about the appointment on there and of course the return of Louis Bow to SW6. Uh, Peter, I'll start with you. Um, You were quick to break this news, I think on Wednesday evening that it was Marco Silva that Fulham were going for. There'd been lots of rumours about Chris Wilder. I'd heard some mumblings about Eddie Howe as well. And of course, there were kind of the people that we knew about ish, like Steve Cooper, Javi Pereira. But it was quite clear on Wednesday that a deal had been agreed and it was just a matter of when, not if. Yeah, uh, my understanding is that Marco Silva was Fulham's first choice. It was, it's been an interesting uh, sort of process because, as you say, there has been those rumours. Um, both Chris Wilder and Steve Cooper were under consideration by Fulham. Um, Eddie Howe too, but Eddie Howe wasn't interested in the job, uh, is my understanding of it. Um, but there was always there was always this sense. So there was obviously Cooper and there was Wilder. They were the favourites with the bookies as well. I mean, we, we mentioned them on, on the last podcast too, but uh, whenever I was, I was trying to have conversations with people, there was always the sense that there's someone else. There's someone else that isn't currently in discussion, really. It hasn't really been reported on. Um, and there was a real determination to sort of keep it under wraps. Um, perhaps almost, you know, to hide the fact, you know, in case those talks didn't work out um, and, and how that could temper expectations and, and things like that. But no, Silver Silver was was the man that, that Fulham wanted, um, and yeah, it was it was a provisionally agreed this week, uh, and then it was announced the next day. He's uh, he's only I think he was on his way back from Portugal, so he'll have to quarantine 
uh, for a few days. So that, that will hold up his first sort of training sessions at, at Motspur Park. But he, he'll be doing some work remotely. And I imagine that that will mean Stuart Gray will, will continue. But uh, no, it's exciting. Obviously, Luis Bermorte is coming in as well as his assistant. He's uh, bringing his uh, Everton staff uh, back together. And that includes uh, Bruno Mendes as, as his head of performance. He was uh, responsible for the Benfica Lab, which is sort of an in- innovative data-based approach to uh, monitoring fitness levels. Um, obviously, Alistair Harris has left the club. He followed Scott Parker to Bournemouth. Uh, also coming with silver is Gonzalo Pedro as first-team coach, Hugo Oliveira as goalkeeper coach, and uh, Antonis Lemonakis, uh, first-team analyst who we first met at Olympiacos, as well as Boamorte too. Um, so the team's in place. It's now about getting getting down to business as pre-season's already underway and you know the season's not too far off either. Yeah. Izzy, your first reaction when you saw the news about Marco Silva uh, looking like he was heading to Craven Cottage, were you pleased, underwhelmed? There's been a bit of a mixed reaction in the fan base. Yeah, definitely. It does feel like there's a bit of a kind of divided reaction among the fans. I've got to be honest, it was a little bit, I was a little bit underwhelmed, but from seeing Peter's report, I kind of knew, okay, this is this is our man because like Peter was saying, it did feel like there was always someone else. It kind of felt like all the names that were mentioned were either backup options or they didn't want the job. So I think I kind of had to come to terms with the reality of it. Um, Obviously I was a bit underwhelmed because I kind of thought of his track record in England. Um, But that's not to say it's kind of a new era. It is someone completely different, a completely different style. And the fact that he'd, I think, I don't know if this is confirmed, but had he rejected the Fenerbahce job and he um, for Fulham? So it's obviously like he wanted to create. Uh, it's exciting to know what he wants to create at Fulham and um, his ambition ambitions with the club. So I think I've kind of warmed over time to it. I don't know about you, Sammy. Yeah, I I think I'm exactly the same as you, Izzy. When I saw it, I was thinking like, uh, okay. But then when you dive deeper into it, I I think the more and more I think about it, it does make sense. He's got experience of of taking a team up from a second tier to the top tier with Estoril in, in Portugal. And his time in England was checkered, but with some really great fleeting moments. And it has a bit of the Roy Hodgson's about it. Someone who's coming to Fulham with a bit of a damaged reputation, but clearly the makings of something good. And what I'm hoping is that he and Fulham are in the same place where actually one needs the other just as much. Fulham obviously need Marco Silva to do well because we need to get promotion back to the Premier League for all sorts of reasons. But Marco Silva needs a club where he's at for for more than one season, where he has a bit of a chance to to make his name and reestablish his credentials in England. You know, you look at the likes of David Moyes, who two seasons ago was a laughing stock. Once again, you know, kind of an Everton connection there, and 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 now he's done a great job with West Ham and and is is seen as again one of kind of England's premier managers. It doesn't take long for reputations to be re-established. I imagine, Peter, that will be Marco's aim here. I don't know what your thoughts are on on kind of this, some of the negativity that's surrounding him. A lot of it is around kind of his slightly disloyal way he left Watford. Yeah, it's um, definitely the Watford thing is has overshadowed him a bit, but I, I do agree. He's definitely got a point to prove. And I think his time in England has been a quite a strange one. You know, I don't, I mean, not just in England, but through his career in general, he's not stayed at a club for more than what, two seasons um, or four, two seasons since his first club at, at Estrel, as you, as you pointed out. So um, 
he he's got to show now really why there was such such an aura around him. I remember when he when he first came to England and he took over at Hull City, and it does seem a long time ago now, but he did have quite a strong impact there. Uh, they were a bit of a mess coming into Christmas time. Uh, I think they were under Mike Phelan, uh, if I remember rightly, and he he then came in and, and completely transformed them. Um, I think they won eight games towards the end of, back end of the season, but it wasn't enough to keep them up. So obviously that was a relegation. Then went to Watford, started superbly well. And then there was the whole Everton thing where Everton quite clearly saw him and, and wanted him and and, they, and it turned his head evidently. And that's what Watford claimed in anyway in their statement once they'd sacked him. Um, so he never really had a, a long spell at, at Watford. And then, of course, at Everton, his first season was OK, wasn't particularly great. Um, I think he was five points worse off than what Ancelotti managed last year. I, I, um, it was cla- That season that he had was classically Everton. Eighth place and out in the fourth round of the cup. So, I mean... He just managed expectations, didn't I mean, yeah, he? He did like his job, Everton, didn't he? He won the Everton <laughs> Cup. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. And then, of course, the way it ended um, at Everton with the team in the bottom three was was not particularly exciting. But I guess the fact that he's moved on every time, he's always seemed to have moved upwards. Maybe the exception you could say was with his move from Sporting to Olympiacos, but that seemed a very strange departure. I think Sporting dismissed him on the basis of just cause. And there was, I think there were reports of him not wearing a club suit to an event that was used as justification. I don't know how valid that is, but those were the reports at the time, um, which is all very strange. But he'd won the Portuguese Cup with them when then went to Olympiacos, won the league. Uh, and then, of course, went from Hull to Watford to Everton, which is stepping up. And I think since he's been out of management, he's been out for what, 18 months now. Um, a lot of clubs have sort of just presumed he would not step down to the championship. Uh, in the piece today, we talk about Nottingham Forest, so they're owned by Evangelist Maranakis, who, of course, is, is the Olympiacos owner as well. Silver left Olympiacos on really good terms. But um, but Forest, while they considered him and, and saw him sort of as quite an ideal appointment, really, it was never thought that he would, he would step down. When he was at Hull, of course, Hull desperately wanted to keep him, but he was very, very ambitious. Now, Fulham have clearly been persuasive and managed to to get him to come down to the second tier. I think it's not a surprise. I think Fulham are in such a strong position, as we talked about, in terms of squad resources to, to go back up in what is going to be a weakened championship this year, um, financially anyway. So if he wants to get back into the Premier League, it's a good basis. And, and as you say, it's, it's sort of a, a move that suits different parties. And the fact that he does have a point to prove it can only be encouraging and um and you know that that bodes well for for the season ahead, and and not to mention to the his style of play, which which should be encouraging, particularly after all the the criticisms that Scott Parker has had during his tenure. Yeah, Izzy, we've watched thirty eight games of pretty turgid football last season. At times, effective, and I look, I'd have taken it if it got us to seventeenth, but it didn't. So ultimately, you have to be judged on the results. But what we saw wasn't very pretty. If we get even a little fraction of what Marco Silva was able to create, particularly at Watford in the championship, it could be a really exciting season. We might lose a few games 4-3 because it might all just be mental. We might be conceding goals from set pieces <laughs> for fun, but a bit of excitement, particularly with fans back in the ground, can't be a bad thing. I know it's all about promotion as well, but that's exciting. I'm excited 
that I've renewed my season ticket and I'm going to be back in the Hammersmith end next season watching hopefully Marco Silva and his team tear it up. Yeah, I think Fulham needs to get a bit of its sexiness back um, that we've been used to before yes. and, and we just didn't have at the end of Scott Parker's reign. But yeah, I'm excited with, with particularly with Silva's tactics. I guess largely it can be described as primarily very attacking, you know, relying on dribbling, ability, pace and, and creativity kind of, kind of to create chances. And we might see him getting the best out of the likes of maybe Cavalero and players like that that haven't shone so much under under Scott Parker. You couldn't get the best out of players like that. Maybe he'll be, he'll go back to his Wolves form, but I think it's really exciting. Um, and you know, his team don't display any kind of remarkable characteristics in their style of play, like like teams met, managed by Pep or Sarri, and and they can often struggle to keep hold of the ball. But it will be exciting, and I think, like you say, with fans back in the cottage, it'll give us some something to maybe smile about again and and I kind of I'm kind of bored of the whole benchmark being like oh let's achieve promotion maybe let's reclaim a bit of the sexiness that Fulham has had and yeah I'm really looking forward to it an exciting kind of new era are you saying he's the new Justin Timberlake of Fulham? He's bringing sexy back. I, I oh. might be saying that right here, right now. First time on the pod, you heard it here. <laughs> Peter's resigned from the Athletic. <laughs> Effective immediately. It's just dreadful, Sammy. That's, that's a low one for you. <laughs> I mean, one thing that will be a big challenge for... Um, Marco Izzy is Alexander Mitrovic. You reported about the bid that Fulham had from uh, Dynamo Moscow, uh, 16 million that was turned down earlier in the summer. Uh, your colleague Tom Barkley tweeted um, saying that Marco Silva's a big fan of Mitrovic. I, I, I don't know if where Tom got this. Is it from the horse's mouth? But that's a good sign if he is a big fan of Mitrovic? Yeah, 100%. I think Mitro is a player that needs to be loved. Um, he needs attention. You know, he wants that and he wants to kind of be back to enjoying himself at Fulham again. Unless it's no secret that obviously under Scott, um, you know, there were tensions kind of bubbling for the whole of last season, really. You know, he wasn't being played and that loyalty kind of wasn't shown back to him considering, you know, he was the championship golden boot winner. So, so I think if you can have Alexander Mitrovic, you know, hitting the net and on form in the championship, then you're going to get promotion shortly. I think he's a key cog to us. He's been a key cog to both our promotions. So that's a really, really good sign. And um, I think it's a really difficult one in terms of people are saying, oh, is Mitrovic going to stay? He's on holiday, etc. But I think it's it's been quite difficult. He, he did want out if Scott Parker was staying. But... I think it's been quite difficult in terms of him actually getting a move. He really likes London. He wanted to stay in the London area. There was talks about West Ham, but it just doesn't seem that likely that a move would happen. So I think he wants to be enjoying Fulham. He loves living in London with his family. So if that relationship is good, then that's great for the club. And yeah, really exciting. It would be an immediate vote winner, wouldn't it, for, for Silva to come in and then manage to get Mitrovic back on side, particularly after the last year, as, as, as Izzy's been outlining. Um, and I think he's the kind of forward that Silva would want. You know, Just looking back over his time in England anyway, I think at Everton he had Cenk Tosin up front, who he liked to use as sort of a, a disruptive forward. Uh, Troy Deeney at Watford. And then, of course, I think he had Umar Nayas. I think he took on loan at, at Hull City. I may be wrong there, but... Either way, that that just show that he is interested in a forward who can be disruptive, who can play to sort of Mitrovic's strengths and then use wingers bouncing off him. So 
that'll be really encouraging. Now, it just depends on on where Mitrovic is. Um, you know, I think Izzy's right. I mean, he's got he's got a good deal at Fulham. You know, he's in London, which is great. At the same time, though, does he want another season in the Championship? So it's it's not. I don't think it'll be a straightforward process for for Silver to win him over. But if he can, I mean, that's that's a massive boost. And you know, Mitrovic in himself, I think Fulham know this. You know, he he is a, he is a ticket to promotion. He, he the goals he can give, the, what he can offer teams. He can bully defenses, especially at this level. I think we can all agree that he's probably a cut above this level. Whether that's you know whatever sort of style you play, you can certainly do it at, at top level as he's shown internationally. So yeah, that's that's his. Of course, got to be his number one number one. Um, thing on his uh, intray, isn't it really just to, to sort out Mitrovic's future because if he's not going to stay and if he can't persuade him then he's got to get a replacement in and work with with Tony Khan and the and the recruitment team yeah I, it'll be a big challenge as well that there's other players on the books Peter that will certainly be looked at it, it, we might be feeling like oh we're getting away with it because clearly the Euros has a massive effect on transfers even though the window is open not much will happen probably until the final particularly if England go far you'd expect but Harrison Reed, Tosin Adarabayo both going to be under huge pressure and we'll have definitely offers to, to move away from Fulham and again that's going to be something for Marco to deal with and try and win them round. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about some of those players and, and the interest that they're, they're going to they're going to garner. Like you know, Tossins for one, Harrison Reed, I'm sure would have interest in him. But there's a real basis there for a good team, and if you can make that case and say, look, this is what I want to bring. You know, I, I myself am a Premier League manager. I don't particularly want to be in this division, and I know you don't either. That's a that's a good sort of uh, way to to bring to bring players on side. Um, the other side, of course, is trying to work out who who goes. You know, there have been players who've gone out on loan and players have come back. Uh, Neskin Skabano, Stefan Johansson, um, trying to work out who fits in where and, and then moving them on. So there's a lot of big decisions that need to happen in these in these coming days, especially um, to try and formulate the squad he wants and then also the players he'll, he'll, he'll want to bring in. I think we've seen, you know, that the likes of Cavalero, Knockart, even last year at Forest 2, haven't really shown their value, for, for, especially for the fees they were brought in for. So whether he can get the best out of them, or indeed will need some kind of uh, will need some recruitments uh, recruits to to help him to help him achieve promotion and and, and his targets. Well, we'll, that that will, that will need to be decided very very quickly. I mean, it's interesting, Izzy, seeing the training pictures and, and there's a few forgotten faces there suddenly at Motspur Park. I mean, yes, the likes of, of Knockart and Christian Cabano, but like Jean-Michel Serri just lurking in one of those pictures. Like the man, he's had the weirdest three years in, in England that he's still in London. Is it a complete clean slate? Because Parker wasn't really a clean slate because he kind of was there under Jakanovic and, and, and under Ranieri. Is this a complete complete you know we might suddenly get the best out of players like Seri and Knockhart have been derided and almost kind of cast away by the fans yeah I think it's exactly that I think there's this argument that if Scott had have stayed he'd have had to go back to some of those players like Johansson and and those sorts of players Knockhart saying oh can you now play for me in the championship because I'd heard that um a few players were quite upset with Scott and angry at the fact that he had kind of promised them this dream that they would be playing Premier League football when they got promoted most recently. And then obviously he didn't, fair enough. You know, we had amazing loan players, but he didn't kind of give that 
loyalty back to, to some of the players that got them promoted, maybe like Niskin Scabano. And so they were probably quite angry with Scott because of that. So would Scott have got the best out of those old faces? I don't think he would have. I think they've kind of become a bit disillusionized under him. Um, and and so, yeah, a, a clean slate, I think, is a good thing for some of those faces. It's so bizarre seeing like Stephanie Hansen with long hair. And I'm like, God, have you gone been, been been away for that long? But yeah. And I think I think it is good because otherwise, I don't know, I just I just don't feel like we would have got the best out of some of those old faces that it's like Groundhog Day. I feel like every time we get relegated, we go back to these old, old players. But um, they've, they've shown that they can do a job for us like Cabano, like Johansson. So, no, I think it's a good thing to have a new manager with them. Yeah, interesting. Well, look, maybe it is the glorious moment for Jean-Michel Serri <laughs> at a Fulham show. <laughs> Who knows? All right, we're going to take a quick break. Loads of questions coming through so we're going to get to those next part two of the fulhamish podcast i'm joined by peter rutzler hello hello and isabel barker hello uh post bag bulging today I had to carry it up the stairs it was very very heavy indeed so let's delve into it now first question from matt wall says, is there anything to read into the fact that all the messaging has been from Shahid and not from Tony? Uh, Peter Rutzler, is Tony stepping back? And related, is Pereira coming back? Um, the rumours have been flying around, Peter. Um, do we know anything? I'm not sure if there's anything to read into um, into Shahid Khan's comments and, and being all over the, the appointment. I think he's always done that. That's that's always been his, his sort of domain. Um, in terms of Tony Khan... It's not something I'm I'm aware of. Um, we talked about the that Fulham are looking for a new director of scouting. As far as I'm aware, that's still ongoing. They have been speaking to candidates. I do know that. In terms of Tony's position, I don't think much has has changed. I think we've talked about what the structure is at Fulham. Um, Tony is sort of responsible for the the, the analytical side of, of recruitment. He has a veto. Um, it's his final say. It's his team. He doesn't just do it by himself. But then they are bringing in a director of scouting. He'll be there on the ground full time because obviously he has other commitments. So having someone there who the manager can speak to on a daily basis um, will, will sort of delegate that role a little bit more. And of course, there's also uh, Alistair McIntosh, chief executive and deals with the financial side of things, was very much involved in in the recruitment process for for Fulham's new manager and. And then, of course, the head coach, which is now which is now Marco Silva, and he will, he won't be um, he won't be unfamiliar uh, with a, a setup like Fulham's in terms of a director of football and, and that sort of uh, setup. But also the ownership too. Um, he got on very very well, as I mentioned before, with with the with the, with Evangelist Maranakis at Olympiakos. Similar uh, similar reports about his relationship with the Alums at Hull City. Um, so that does bode well in, in, in that sense as well. So, uh, but yeah, in terms of uh, Javi Pereira, that's not something I'm aware of. I know there's been a lot of rumours around, but um, I'm not saying it's not the case, but I, I don't have any information either way. Uh, I do know that they have been speaking to candidates for, for the director of scouting role though. Yeah, indeed. I, from what I've heard as well, and there's been rumours going around on WhatsApp and everything. From what I know, which is not as much as Peter, but... I just wouldn't believe everything you're hearing and that I don't think you should equate Tony's recent silence on Twitter to mean that he's not involved. I would guess probably the opposite. I, hard to know for sure. Not heard anything directly from the club or from him, but I, I just if, think... If it I helps, think, I mean, what I would point out is when putting the piece together on Marco Silva, it was it was Tony Khan and his sort of recruitment team who sort of identified Silva as a... As, as a prospective replacement for Scott Parker you know they 
they're, they're all, there's always due diligence going on in terms of the squad. Um, if players are leave, there's all, you know having candidates in mind who, who can replace players. Same goes for the coaching staff. And I think once once it became clear to the club that you know Bournemouth were making overtures to to Parker and those conversations were being heard, um, that the plan plans were put in motion and, and Silver was was the was the candidate identified that could you know best fit the club both in terms of style of play and also his own personal ambition is what what came back yeah um pro asks izzy what's the leash length if we get off to a slow start um he's going to be under pressure from day one it's quite a comfortable start really middlesbrough hull stoke millwall huddersfield not exactly a, a, a start to instantly terrify you um Part of me thinks if he doesn't get 10 points out of those first 15, he's already going to be under pressure. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a really, really tense time for fans. I think fans are quite angry. I think there was a lot of kind of expectation and we should have, you know, so many, hindsight is a great thing, but like arguably with the players that we had, obviously we should have stayed up and, and Scott's left, <laughs> left us. And I think, I think fans are pissed off and rightly so. Like we have just bounced back to the championship, you know, fan, a lot of fans, very, a lot of tension is directed at Tony Khan. So if we're not getting results in the championship, um, I think there's going to be uproar. I think fans are going to be as, be more pissed off than we've seen them in a long time and I think I think I think the, I think our club has to be ruthless if, if he's not getting results because he's not proved himself in England and if he can't prove himself in the championship with with one of the better squads and and arguably more money than a lot of the clubs in in the championship then I think I think the the board and the and the club have to be ruthless for for the fans sake yeah, I, I also look. I, I think he'll be given some time. Naturally, he's a new manager, but I think um, any time outside the top six will be uncomfortable for Marco, both from the fans and definitely from from the ownership. They are not messing around this season. They want. I don't even think they want playoffs this time, do they, Peter? They want top two. And given the way that the championships unfolded in the last couple of seasons and the the weakness of the league last year. Like there just won't be any substitute for second best. I don't think this time around. No, no I, I think you know. You look as you said. You look at the Fulham, Fulham squad, and you look at their sort of position with parachute payments and and everything else relative to the division. You know, Fulham really should be competing for automatics. Um, there's no getting away from that. And you know, any time outside the playoffs, I think is. I mean, that's that's dangerous territory for Marco Silva. Obviously, you know, with the start of the season, it's always up in the air. But um, you know. <laughs> That's that's the target. I think Silver himself knows that he doesn't want to be in the championship either. Um, and you do look at the fixtures; it is quite a soft landing um, for the first couple of months. Really, um, it's, it's difficult to obviously to judge who will be a threat. Which of those clubs that have been in the division for a little longer have managed to put themselves in a position to compete, especially particularly in the playoffs. But in terms of the the bigger sides, you know, West Brom, Sheffield United. Um, Bournemouth too because of their their, their sort of finances. Um, you know, it's you know you look at those first few fixtures and you think it's a it's a good opportunity. Maybe it's the best way of putting it. It's a really good opportunity to to lay down a marker. I mean, Silver's come in and I guess it feels like a lot of time has been lost and a lot of time has been lost. You know, planning's not gone the way you think Fulham would have wanted in terms of preseason. Of course, it hasn't. Um, but you know, preseason only started Monday. We had not. A, it's not as though. That Silver doesn't have a preseason here to work with his players. It's not like last summer, which was ridiculously short. Um, 
know, it's it's about now getting down to the nuts and bolts of it and and, and putting in place the and implementing the style. I think he's a very hands-on coach, and I think the players will. I think it will be quite interesting because he's he's known for going over really minor details. I think there was a story at Hull City about him banning uh, apple crumble or something like that <laughs> to get to get um, get player fats down. So you know he, he's going to be all over so many different aspects. And I mentioned Bruno Mendes and, and the Benfica lab. You know that that's the kind of detail. You know that's that's. I think there was a piece done on the Athletic by uh, Paddy Boylan and and uh, Greg O'Keefe. Um, our Everton reporters during Silver's time there, and it was about Mendes and, and the Benfica lab, and how you know they would take players' bloods to try and assess where they are at, and how focused they are on getting uh, on managing player loads, which will be so important this coming season. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see the kind of impact he has and how the players take to him. He's had a lot of positive references that came back in the recruitment process, but also when you hear some past players speak speak about him um, had a big influence on Andy Robertson and Harry Maguire as well at Hull City by all accounts so um, really interesting time and I think these these coming weeks when he first you know steps onto the training ground and, and introduces himself to players will be important and and let's not underestimate the value of having Boa Morte um, around the club too particularly considering how sort of tense it's been in these last few weeks how uncomfortable it's been having someone there who knows the club's values um and, and someone who the fans can really, really buy into. I think that's that really does make a difference. Yeah, I mean, Boa's huge. I, I, it's just even from like a comforting blanket for the fans. You know, there was a debate whether Park is a legend. Boa Morte is a Fulham legend. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Um, one for you, Peter, although I would suspect this is one that you might say to me, come back to me once I've done a bit more research. Um, but apt again, given who our first opponents are, Neil Warnock, Middlesbrough at, um, at home. Are the concerns about set piece defense overblown? Will Stuart Gray stay on with the staff? Um, I imagine part two, you could probably answer quite quickly. Part one, as I say, you maybe need to delve a bit into it, but it's certainly a, a, a concern with Marco Silva, isn't it? I can't answer either very quickly, Sammy. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's definitely one I want to to dig into a little bit more. And I'll, I'll be doing some some. You know, there's lots to, to dig into with Marcus Silva about how his, his time's gone at Watford, at Everton, and Hull. And you know, at the moment, it's just been cursory reading, just trying to assess what he's like, what his style of play is like, what he's like as a coach. And you know, I've hinted at a couple of details there, but I'll try and piece that all together in in, in the coming weeks. So, uh, but his set pieces is definitely something that stands out. I, I, you know, I remember it from his time at Everton. I mean, he was almost ridiculed for it, I think. Um, and I think that's been a common denominator. So I imagine he will have learned from that. I mean, he's had 18 months out um, to, to, to assess why, why that's not necessarily worked in England. Um, I don't know whether that was the case with his teams in Portugal and then, and then in Greece. It could be to do with the players and just not used to that kind of system here. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what's changed on in in, the, on, in that regard. In terms of Stuart Gray, uh, as mentioned at the start, I mean, Silva's not here yet, so I presume he'll continue with pre-season. I've not had an indication that Stuart Gray is leaving. I think the, the staff that have already left and gone with Scott Parker are the ones that have gone. Um, but we'll see. I think Nathan Gardner is another one. He was a recruit um, by Scott Parker last October. So it'll be interesting to see what his position is. Um, but yeah, I, once, once I get a clearer picture, I can answer that question. But for now, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, 
Izzy, Thomas Ryland Jenkins asks a silly question. I've seen some dapper images of Marco Silva. He seems to prefer the all black look compared to Parker's blues, grace, and yes, that white jacket. <laughs> Who do you feel is the better dressed, Parker or Silva? We're located in Southwest London, so ap- appearance is part of fitting in. Um, yeah, you've gone for the really important questions there, Thomas. But Izzy, uh, any opinion on... <laughs> I mean, a lot of people keep telling me that Marco Silva does look a lot like Colin Farrell, and I can't quite get it out of my head now. I love that question i love how you directed like the the important meaty questions to peter and the, the fashion one to me because i feel like it's very sun-esque but um no no i i love i love that i feel like we always have to kind of have a bit of a trendy manager like for me slav was always always the best dressed i think i think marco Silva was way better dressed than scott ever since that blooming what was it that kind of was it a gilet blazer thing that Scott wore in the Liverpool game? I think for me, his his dress sense just went down from there. But no, Marco Silva for the win for me. I think if he's in a sharp black suit, he'll be looking good for sure. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Would you like a more? No, uh, serious... no, no, no. I love that, and I love the the reference to apple crumble. That like I'm sort of just thinking about that. So no, no, no. That, that's a brilliant question. <laughs> a- apple crumble is rubbish, though. I think that is a good that is a good decision to uh, to, to to get that back. That's what um, I was thinking about. I was like, why did he choose apple crumble? Was it like a big thing in the area, or what? I think I think it was a tradition there at home. Oh. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant brilliant <laughs> that and their weird lame tiger chant um I'll go to either this one though, Izzy. Um, final one. And, and and one of the, you know, a lot of people asking, uh, Connor West says, which player or players do you think will benefit most from Silver's appointment? Uh, and Magic Kingdom asks, is Hector going to go back to looking like peak Tony Adams uh, now he's back in the championship? Is there <laughs> maybe a, a player or two that you expect to bring a surprise or be back in the side this year that um, wasn't featured last year at all? Not necessarily one that wasn't featured, but I think I, I mentioned it previously. I do think Cav will do well under Silver. I think I think Silver kind of loves well, he loves pace and work rate, you know, for his forwards and his his wingers. But I just think he could get the best out of Cav du- during this spell. And I guess I guess I don't know. In, in with our champions championship setup I'm not sure there's a load of wingers that spring to mind but I think I think with Silver style you know those sort of players are going to do really well players already in the team like Robinson as well but I think I think that's going to be really exciting with this kind of attacking creative style um Hector wasn't necessarily one that sprung to mind but but we'll see and it's going to be exciting this new kind of creative era under Silver uh, interesting, Peter, the timing of Decadova Reed and Hector going out to the Gold Cup. That's going to disrupt their pre-seasons a bit, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, clearly, I mean, the timings of it, uh, to see them go out to the States, uh, presumably with a with some kind of exemption to travel to the United States. I don't know if that's possible at the moment, really. Um, the group stages end on July 21st. I imagine that Jamaica, they've got a good squad. They'll probably make it through that. And the final's not till... August the 2nd, whether they get that far, I'm not sure. But either way, that means a significant chunk of, of pre-season they'll miss. It, I mean, it will, it will hold them back in terms of what they'll learn stylistically about Silver. But the other, the flip side is, of course, it's, it's good for their fitness. So, um, yeah, it will, it will, I think, maybe maybe it will hold them back. We'll, we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. I'm sure Silver will be all over uh, what they're up to uh, overseas. Um, it's a bit of an odd time for a tournament. You've literally had a perfect month where you could have held an international tournament. Um, 
like when other when the cop america and the euros are on when should we schedule ours <laughs> oh i don't know we'll do it a month afterwards when the other when the domestic seasons start again that makes total sense um all right that'll do for part two uh, we'll be back in a second <laughs> Part three of the Funimish podcast, Sammy here with Peter and Izzy. Uh, on the other emergency podcast that we did the other day, Peter, we did a bit of Euros chat afterwards. So why not again? It's the quarterfinals this weekend. England, Ukraine, what are you expecting? I'm expecting a win, mate. You know, well, nothing less. You know, we've well, won the has- tournament after beating Germany. So now it's just it's home straight, isn't it? No, yeah, it's quite cool. exciting. I quite like Ukraine. I think they're... a. Uh, Shevchenko's got them playing in quite a, an interesting way. They're quite an attacking team. Um, what have I made of England? I don't know. I, I say I, w- I was tentatively quite nervous when when Southgate announced his lineup against Germany. I thought we were, I thought we were showing Germany too much reverence. But I stand down. How dare I even consider questioning Gareth Southgate's decision making? The man knows what he's doing. So in Gareth, we trust. Gareth we trust Izzy what did you make of uh, Tuesday's match yeah I was the same you know I was like why is he on get him off and then it all just kind of fell into place and everything came into fruition I thought it was so defensive and stodgy but Gareth Southgate obviously knows what he's doing and I don't so um, I think that's what it proved but no it was brilliant I think we are we the only team to not have conceded a goal in the tournament so far that's left I I don't have that stat to hammer. We must, we must be. be I think yeah. Italy, Italy didn't concede in the group stages, but they then did concede to Austria. Next yeah, time. and, and technically they, they got that really close offside goal as well, ruled off. So they've technically kind of conceded twice. So I think that's such an achievement. Like you're going to win games, right? Um, I don't think I've been this confident. I feel like if we can't do it now, we can't. We won't ever do it because we've got so much exciting young attacking talent who can get the best out of Sterling and Harry Kane. So no, I'm I'm really confident. Though I do love Ukraine and I do love Shevchenko, so it's gonna be a really exciting game. Yeah, I, I think that I'm confident that we should make the final. I think honestly we have a great chance to reach the final. I think Denmark are no mugs and I assume they'll get past the Czech Republic um um tonight uh, and that will be a really really difficult game but one that i think is winnable but the final i think is a lottery like i just think no matter who gets through whether it's belgium italy spain maybe it's switzerland maybe it's the swiss um i referenced them at the start of the show uh, maybe they'll make it all the way to the final whoever you get i think that's a total lottery and like I actually think that would still be an achievement getting to the final, even if we didn't quite win. It would be such a long time until we did that. Uh, any other tips for the uh, quarterfinals? What other games are you going to be keeping a close eye on? Is it the Belgium-Italy one that stands out? I quite, I quite like Spain. I feel yeah. like they play in a really enterprising, quite traditionally Spanish way, as we become accustomed to. But um, I think they, they, they can cause teams problems. Um, as long as they don't pass the ball into their own net in every game, then they'll be fine. <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, in terms of Belgium, I think, I think this is sort of with, with their golden generation, if that passes by without, you know, without even a final, um, I mean, the regret they will feel will be extraordinary. I mean, for a country of that size to produce the talent that they have, um, you know, it's, they're going to be without Hazard and De Bruyne potentially, aren't they, for the Italy game. So that's a huge game. That's a huge, huge game. I think an interesting one, just slightly bringing it back to Fulham is that, yeah, I've been really impressed with Roberto Martinez in the last um, you know, couple of years with Belgium. I think what he did in the World Cup was hugely underrated. Yes, they lost in the semi-final, but they did also beat Brazil on the way to that um, semi-final as well. And I felt that they've, they've really handled themselves well. The way he managed that Portugal game was impressive. And I guess the, the point I'm trying to get at here is 
doesn't necessarily mean if you fail with Everton that you're a you're a bad manager. <laughs> it's a weird yeah. it's a weird club it's a weird <laughs> club to succeed at, isn't it? Because the expectations at Everton are high, but they don't really have the resources to get where they want, and as a result, they often end up eighth to tenth, and anything below that's a huge failure. It, it's I, I just maybe think that trying to judge a manager's success at Everton is, is extraordinarily difficult and I don't think there's been anyone who's truly succeeded maybe since Moyes are you saying basically that under Marco Silva we're going to be um, winning the championship and then winning the Premier League Sammy because you can't judge um, a, a manager on their time at Everton <laughs> basically yes I, I'm, I'm saying that uh, get your tickets ready for the new camp in 22-23 is basically what I'm saying is he um, but look uh, we'll see what happens uh, in the Euros this weekend uh, and exciting times for Fulham with Marco Silva finally appointed and the saga over guys that's that's surely the biggest win here is he is just finally we have some certainty it feels like for nearly two months now ever since the relegation we've just not known what's going to going on and it's nice finally to be looking forward rather than trying to worry about who's coming in or is Parker leaving or what's happening with the club and the structure etc we have some answers finally yeah like it's so exciting like I think as fans like fans of the club like you just get a bit you just give up a bit when it's when things like that are happening when the Euros are on you're like oh I just won't bother following my club and, and it shouldn't be like that but I feel like it really has pushed us to our limits you know this summer and no it's so nice to be thinking that yes if people have renewed season tickets you know is our what's Peter I'm sure you've got some intel on this what about the um the new stand when can when can people go into it and and sit in it so the last I heard on the new stand was I don't think they're selling season tickets for it this season that won't be until next year but I think there's a possibility at some point in the season that there'll be match day tickets available for it but I'm not entirely sure on that um but that's something that will be looked into and I guess it just depends on how how well the the final stages of uh, development go. Um, I don't think the official opening is, to, is now until next year. That was pushed back um, because of sort of the, the COVID delays and, and, and whatever else. But um, but yeah, I don't think that, yeah, no season tickets, but I think it's possible at some point there could be some match day tickets. Yeah. And, and I guess most importantly is when does the infinity play? That's what I was going to say. And, yeah. <laughs> and as Fulham's writer for The Athletic, will you get access? Will you be sipping a, so. a pina colada or a porn star martini in, in the <laughs> infinity pool with Dave, the local Fulham fan or something? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm definitely going to pitch it anyway. Watch a game from the infinity pool. Yes. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely. just not I, quite I don't, the same. I don't agree to it, but... That's a pe- that's a great athletic piece, actually. I-, I watched I watched Fulham from the infinity pool at Craven Cottage. That's that's a great athletic. <laughs> they piece. they have one at the Jacksonville Jaguars, don't they? And I feel like everyone's really toned in like tiny g-string bikinis, and it's just not going to be the same at Fulham, is it? It's going to be like someone with a beer belly, like sat in the infinity pool. <laughs> oh well, looking forward to it. <laughs> I can't. I, I mean, honestly, the pictures when that comes out of someone trying to watch a game from the infinity pool. I've, I don't know if we'll ever live it down, to be perfectly honest. But um, we'll we'll wait and see. Maybe it will turn into the new hip thing, like you know, watching like the Monaco Grand Prix from an infinity pool. Maybe it will be a the, a similar experience. But anyway, thank you very much for listening today. I don't know when we'll do another podcast. Is there is, is there any other breaking news that we can discuss? Um, I hope not. 
well, hopefully we'll start getting onto a bit more of a regular schedule uh, for, from here on in and, and looking at pre-season, etc. And I've, I've been speaking to you twice in a week, Sammy. That's more than enough for me. As I said before, it's above my pay grade. You know, I, I, I think I need, to, I, need, I need a break. You do need a break. You do need a break, Peter. Maybe you need to um, get into another infinity pool. I don't know where you can go in the UK to do that at the moment. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think there are many in, Wands, in Wandsworth. So, uh. <laughs> you can go to that posh one in Vauxhall at the Embassy Gardens, you know, the one between the two skyscrapers. Oh, yeah. Oh, is that the one that's, that's been pictured a lot, hasn't it? Yeah. 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 I'm not sure that appeals, mate. Oh, okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening today, Peter. <laughs> thank you very much for being on. No, thank you, Sammy. Thank you. Pulling a shift this week, Peter. You're really slogging it. Well, I can't see Jack Collins in here, so... No, 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 no. You're doing the Lord's work. Uh, and Izzy, thank you for being on. <laughs> oh, thanks so much for having me on, guys. All right. We'll be back soon uh, with some more Breaking Fulham news, I'm sure. But until then, have a good week. Come on, England. Come on, you guys. <laughs>